from high atop his mountain of index cards and tournament brackets, this is The Joy of Booking, a fantasy booking podcast. Here's your host, DC Matthews. Thank you, Brandon Banks, and welcome back to Buy the Book. My name is DC. Nope, that's not the name of the show, is it? It shows you how long it has been since I have done this show. Welcome back to the joy of booking. My name is DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. Ah, goodness, friends. Um, What a time. What a time. What a time. Have you set your clocks back? Did you go ahead and set your clocks back? It is a daylight savings has ended or began. I don't know how. I, I don't understand. All I know is that it feels like 8 in the morning and it is only 7 in the morning. Uh, I slept for somewhere between 10 and 11 hours last night, um, which is unusual for me. But either way, I'm feeling all right today, even though I don't know the name of the show. And uh, it it's it's been a little bit. The last couple of weeks I've been doing, you know, DDT on Wednesdays with... Doc Manson at Doc Manson, and that's really all I've had the energy to do. Um, We've got the Corona Cup Tag Team Tournament. That's what we're going to be spending some time on today. Uh, I've got the fantasy booking till WrestleMania where they keep just firing the people I'm trying to build around, which is annoying. Um. Do I have other stuff? I don't even know. I've got I've got season three that I've got seven more episodes to record. Who knows when that's going to happen? It's it's been a weird time. This is a busy time of year. There are conferences happening in the next few weeks. There are holidays happening. There are report cards happening. Uh, it's it's a crazy time. So let us take a moment. Let us relax ourselves. Let us settle. Let us take a sip, if I can reach it, of my delightful blueberry pomegranate water. You got to have your water. And uh, apparently I sound like I'm from Mississippi when I say that. Uh, The lovely people at the AHA Company, they're not a sponsor, but if you want, send the checky. Delightful. Mm. Lovely beverage. Tastes good. No... Uh, bad things for you. It's all just water and natural flavoring and carbonated air. Uh, So here's where we're at. We have been doing this tag team tournament for, oh, it feels like 50 years. Uh, We are in the consolation round after the third round. You know, we're down to, I think, less than 200 teams left. There are, in fact, only the final 64 um, who have made it. You know, eventually we will determine the winner. We're in the consolation round now. So those who did not make it to the field of 64. So I guess we're down to 128. I can do math. Um, and uh, we're doing some consolation matches. And, and that's it. We got through, oh, how many? 16 in the last episode. I feel like we can do better. I feel like we must do better. We can do better, and we must do better. I don't have a John Kennedy, um, but that, that's as close as I, I could get. So without any further ado, 
let, let's get into it. Let's do the dang thing. And uh, we got a humdinger of a match to open up this episode. Uh, we're on page nine, in case you're curious. Uh, the tag team of Crusher, Bam Bam Bigelow. I don't know why you needed to add a nu- His name is Bam Bam Bigelow. Why'd you need a name? Why'd you need to throw an extra name in there? Uh, teaming with Big Van Vader, taking on the team of Lex Luger and Sting uh, from the 90s. I'm assuming this is not Wolfpack, because I think Wolfpack would have been called Wolfpack. Um, so this is probably your early 90s Luger and Sting, perhaps at the height of their popularity at the height of their powers. Actually, Sting probably became more popular once he became the Crow. Um, But either way, what a match this could be. What a match this could be. Now, you know me and you know my heart. So you know I am leaning towards picking Bam Bam Bigelow and Vader. In fact, I was tempted just to do it and not even explain it and just go with it. But I suppose we should... I move things around on my desk because they're bothering me. Uh, I suppose we should go through the rules, if I can remember the rules, and try to figure out who should win. Neither team has a name, as far as I am concerned, as far as I know. So that's a push, that's a draw, that's an even sweep. I don't even think even sweep, that's just no points awarded. Um, I have seen Luger and Sting. As I have watched every NWA, WCW pay-per-view, that means I have seen Luger and Sting. Whether or not I I remember vaguely a match with them against the Steiner brothers, I want to go back and watch it again. Um, As I've been doing these other things, these little statistics projects, trying to keep track of, you know, high-ranking matches according to Cage Match, and then I did a new recent thing where I did what are the high matches, you know, seven or higher on cage match that are also less than 15 minutes long because at bad WWE stats, which is a fun account to follow. If you haven't followed him, give him a follow. Um, You know, had said he was looking for some short matches to watch on a lunch break, which is a wonderful idea. Um, So I started, you know, they got me interested enough to do the research. I like making spreadsheets. Um, So I know I've seen Luger and Sting. I feel like at some point I must have Googled a Bam Bam Vader match or when I had New Japan Pro World, I looked them up. But I honestly can't say for sure. So I suppose technically we would need to give a point to Luger and Sting for this one. Um, I know all the people involved. Historical context probably also should go to Luger and Sting, if I am being honest. Uh, Bam Bam and Vader, a great team, probably the ultimate Haas tag team if there ever was one, but didn't, you know, made a splash in Japan, obviously. That did not factor into the United States. Luger and Sting, again, uh, very, very popular in the early 90s when they teamed, you know, two of the biggest names in, in the NWA WCW at the time. Um, they were feuding at some points. They were friends at some points. So I suppose now that I'm, I'm doing this, I should give the win to Luger and Sting. And I will. I don't like it, but I will. Uh, next up, this is an easier one. Uh, the team of Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart taking on Rapongi Vice. Um, Jarrett, no. I mean, come on. Yes, Rapongi Vice, again, big in Japan. 
has that has trickled over into the United States probably through Ring of Honor, the company that as of right now might not be a company anymore. Um, but Jarrett and Owen were a big team, if only, again, for the historical context of they were a regular team at the time of Owen's untimely death. So sadly, that historical context matters. Uh, so we will give the win to Jarrett Nolan, setting up a fantastic match of Luger and Sting versus Jarrett Nolan. I don't even like Jeff Jarrett, and that's a good match. The Head Shrinkers versus Billy and Chuck. Another very, very fun match. Um, technically, Billy and Chuck is their name. So that is the team name. So we would, you know, again, no points awarded. I've seen them both. Um, I've seen more Head Shrinkers than Billy and Chuck, but I've seen them both. Um, historical context, it's interesting here. You have the Samoan dynasty. So in that case, because they are part of the Samoan dynasty, there is some historical context for Samu and Fatu. But then again, I don't know how much that matters. They're a good team, don't get me wrong. Um, Fatu would go on to be make a difference. Fatu, the Sultan, you know, all of his different roles before becoming Rikishi. But he would have had the Usos probably anyways. Billy and Chuck had some historical context. Not necessarily great, but they had they were before their time. That that angle they did, uh, whether or not we like it, was impactful and was meaningful. Um whether it's famous or infamous, I'll leave that to you to decide. But I think I got to give the win in this case to Billy and Chuck. And it's not just because I love Billy Gunn, though I do. I do think if we're going through the rules that I have done, um, you know, I'm going to try in this episode not to do research. I'm going to try, you know, we're not in the finals here. We're not in the final 64. These are people who have lost. So I don't think we need to do a lot of research. So I'm going to try to avoid Wikipedia uh, through this episode. Power and glory versus the nasty boys. Oh, come on. Oh, my heart. It's been ripped asunder. And it's not because I like the nasty boys. I don't really. There's no denying they were a great team. I actually have more appreciation for them now than I did before. Um, great matches with Harlem Heat, great matches with Cactus Jack and Kevin Sullivan, you know, fine matches against the Steiner brothers and all of that. They're a good team. Don't get me wrong. Very good team. Um, but power and glory. Um, Brandon, I know you're listening. Power and glory. Great name. One of the all-time great names for a team. One of the best finishers of all time with the Powerplex. Um, just a lot of fun. And I think my heart is ripped out because they can't win this match. They can't. The Nasty Boys are multi-time tag team champions, had great matches all over the place. Their career lasted longer. It's, it's got to go to the Nasty Boys. So with love to Paul Roma and Hercules, uh, the run of power and glory, although they technically, again, they lost. They lost to the Undisputed Era. So, you know, we've, we're figuring out where they are. Top 100 teams, maybe. Uh, are they going to get into that upper echelon? Don't think so. Billy and Chuck versus the Nasty Boys. Intriguing match. Oh, wait. Am I doing this? No, no. I'm doing it right. I didn't make a mistake. I'm so happy. The American Males. American Males. American Males. 
American mouth. Uh, taking on the big show in Kane. Similar to our last match. We love the American males. They're ridiculous. They're hilarious. Uh, but they can't beat the Big Show and Kane. They can't. They can't. They can't. They can't. They couldn't beat Shinzaro, Shinsuke and Cesaro. They can't beat the Big Show and Kane. That's, you know, this is... The American males are that great mid-card team that people like me love. Same with Power and Glory. But we're past the mid-card point here. Uh, the Hurricane and Rosie versus LAX. Now, this is interesting because I have not watched an LAX match if LAX is the Santina... Santina... That's a different team. Santana and Ortiz. I know who they are, but I have not watched an LAX match featuring Santana and Ortiz, I don't think. So a point in that case goes to Hurricane and Rosie, but again, I, I don't even know about historical context in this sense, but LAX is a legit team. They're still a somewhat big deal right now. I think we got to give the win to LAX there. Um... Again, it's that whole, you know, Hurricane and Rosie are great, but this is not what this, you know, we're past that point in this tournament. We're, we're going to do the same thing again. Now, th this one we might be able to, to negotiate, but the match is the Authors of Pain versus the Killer Bees. Now, the Killer Bees were a good team. Twin Magic with the masks. First time I had ever seen it. I was very confused as a kid. Well, they didn't wear masks before. Why are you letting them wear masks now? I, I don't, I, I, I didn't understand. Um, but the Authors of Pain, in my mind, were a big deal tag team, but were they? Uh, they were around for a short period, couple years. Uh, injuries got in their way. Um, you know, we assumed they would be a very big deal. They were not. NXT, they were a big deal. Uh, they made it to WWE. I don't know that they were ever a big deal in WWE. And then they got hurt, and then they got released. So, you know, again, uh, I said I wasn't going to do research, but let me pull out my Chromebook here because I am curious only as to how long the Killer Bees were a tag team. So Killer Bees, WWF, Jumpin' Jim Brunzel, B. Brian Blair, Before the Bees. All right, so they were not a team um, beforehand. I've seen them both wrestle in, you know, old Mid-South stuff when I was watching that. Um, so 1985, they made their debut. And then doo, 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 they were done by November 1988. So three years, three, three and a half years as a tag team. Maybe they reunited, um, you know, later once or twice, but that was it. Now let's look up the Authors of Pain here. And they were a tag team. Oh, they formed together in 2016 and they made it till 2020. So I thought the killer bees were a team longer. They were not. Uh, they were about, about, about the same. Uh, AOP won the NXT titles, the raw titles and the dusty classic, the killer bees won 
uh, the Frank Tunney Senior Memorial Tag Team Tournament and the UWF Tag Team once. I'm glad we looked that up because uh, my original idea is going to win. The AOP should win this. Um, you know, I think when we think about these teams and these wrestlers from my childhood, when I'm thinking, let me, let me not use we, let me speak about only myself. When I think about these, I assume the Killer Bees have been a tag team for a decade. I assumed they were a tag team um, in, you know, again, whether it was the AWA or a territory, and then they came to the WWF and formed a team and were a team forever and ever. It's just the way, you know, my mind works when thinking about that time when I was just renting Coliseum videos. Um, turns out, not the case. So the Authors of Pain wins. And then we have, oh, Power and Glory might be one of the best tag team names but we know what the best one is. We know what it is. I said it on a recent episode. We know what the best tag team name of all time is. Vicious and Delicious. Scott Norton, Buff Bagwell. Fantastic name for a team. I love tag teams of a hoss and a little guy. Hercules and Paul Roma. Um, even like Fatu and Samu. Fatu is, a, well, I can't remember who was bigger. Fatu at one point got bigger. But technically Samoans, you know. They're all hosses. Even the skinny Samoans are hosses. But either way, vicious and delicious. Ugh. Gotta love them. Uh, except they're going up against Sting and Ric Flair. And now Sting and Ric Flair, not a tag team. No tag team name, obviously. But historical context out, out the wazoo, as they say. Out the wazoo. So while Vicious and Delicious were great and all, they were definitely solid B, B minus, NWO. So I think we got to go with Sting and Flair. I do, I do, I do. The more we do this, the more I realize how important historical context really is. Do I make a lot of mouth noises? I feel like I make a lot of mouth noises. I've heard people on other podcasts talk about how they have to work hard to reduce mouth noises. I, I don't know how to do that. I'm jowly. I'm a jowly boy. That's for you. That's for you ASMR fans. Uh, we move on. Those were uh, pages 9 to 12. Now we head to uh, page 13. Oh. Oh, what are we going to do here? Oh, my goodness. Uh, we have the Varsity Club. Sullivan and Williams versus the team of Eddie Gilbert and Tommy Rich. And I'm not doing any hot tags. I didn't ask for them. I'm... I'm We've got a lot of hot tags. It's great. We'll probably get some more at some point, but I'm trying to go on my own hot tag list. And here we have a matchup that's just prime Jeremy matchup here. Eddie Gilbert and Tommy Rich. He loves Eddie Gilbert. One of his favorites, if not his all-time favorite. Uh, he's he's talked about that team. But then again, the Varsity Club, you've got Sullivan. You've got not Wyndham Williams. It's not Wyndham Williams. But they're named, technically. I've seen them, so let's go through the rules. They have a name, point for Varsity Club. I have seen them, as opposed to I've not seen Eddie Gilbert and Tommy Rich. Point for the Varsity Club. Historical context probably favors Gilbert and Rich in, in, in a really historical context. You know, modern day, I don't know, maybe the Diamond Mine is some sort of, you know... Uh, the Varsity Club might be a spiritual ancestor of the Diamond Mine in some weird way. Uh, certainly Shoot Nation 
if they ever went with that Chad Gable stable. Ha! <laughs> Rhyme. Um, I know all the people in there, even though I called him Wyndham. I knew what his name was. I, I will break out the Jeremy rule one more time to give Gilbert and Rich the win. I don't know if that's the right answer. I probably is, but I honestly don't know. And then with our next one, oh my goodness, uh, Men on a Mission versus Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. This is a team, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T has been a team solely based on historical context. They were the main event of WrestleMania 1. Men on a Mission technically was the main event of SummerSlam 95 when King Mabel took on Diesel, I suppose. But I'm not sure that that <laughs> means the same thing. So I guess we'll give the win... <sighs> The problem is Men on a Mission was a team for a long time. Like, they were a team. Hulk Hogan and Mr. T were allies, and they teamed in that one instance, but they were not necessarily a team for a... Like, they didn't have the length of time that Men on a Mission did or any other team that they took on. And maybe just because Men on a Mission, great tag team, uh, great African-American tag team, Let's give them the win over Hulk Hogan. Let's do it. Let's give them the win. Men on a Mission will advance over Hulk Hogan and Mr. T uh, to take on Eddie Gilbert and Tommy Rich. Booker T and Goldust versus the Thrill Seekers. Oh, the Thrill Seekers. You know, if we were, <laughs> if we were grading just based on vignettes and promo packages and all of that. The Thrill Seekers and Smoky Mountain Wrestling, if you have not done so, do yourself a favor, fire up the Peacock, find the brief amount of Smoky Mountain Wrestling that they have on there. It almost all is focused around the Thrill Seekers, Jericho and Lance Storm. Watch some of those packages. Watch some of, it's just the best and worst at the same time. It's glorious. Gotta gotta have your water uh the thrill seekers on paper great team but they were in smoky mountain as a team and then that was it by the time they made it to ecw they were single stars then they went to wcw they were single stars then they went to wwe and were single stars so the thrill seekers as a team didn't happen booker t and Goldust were a team for a while, they won some titles. They, again, had great vignettes from a Russell Silly standpoint. I think we got to give them the win. I think we do. The Sheep Herders versus Rapungi 3K. Now, news to me that Rapungi 3K is no longer a team, and one of them, the one who looks like Tanahashi, is now, I think, a heel. Shows how little I'm... I'm even paying attention less to New Japan than I was before. Uh, but yeah, the Sheep Herders win. We don't need to spend a lot of time on that. Sheep Herders... Great team, violent team. Uh, they will take on Booker T and Gold Dust, which would make for interesting promos and build. The Wolves, Eddie Edwards and Davey Davis, Davey Richards, taking on the main event Mafia. Now, this is a case where I have seen zero of the teams. I wasn't watching TNA during the main event Mafia. I have never seen the Wolves that I'm aware of. Um, so this is one of those that I guess we got to go again. Well, technically, I, they both have names. I know who's in the Wolves. I'm assuming the main event mafia is Booker T and Scott Steiner, but I don't know if that's necessarily the most popular uh, tag version of them. I think it is, but I'm not positive. 
but I think I think hmm. historical context again goes for the main event mafia probably more infamy than fame. Um, I think the Wolves are the better team, though, and if we looked it up, they'd probably last longer. So I'm going with the Wolves. I'm not going to look it up. I don't care enough to look it up. I'm going with the Wolves. The Hart Foundation. This is the Davy Boy Smith Jr. Recently released Davy Boy Smith Jr. Wasn't that weird? Like, he got signed. They were maybe going to put him with, I don't even remember who they were going to put him with. They were going to put him with somebody. He had a couple of dark matches, and then he got released. Like, he didn't even get a chance to be on NXT 2.0. That was weird. WWE is doing some weird stuff. I understand they're reevaluating, and part of me does get, let's go on a little tangent. Let's go on a little tangent. Part of me gets that every few months you look at your roster and if it's developmental, you go, are we actually developing? Is this person making the progress we want them to make? Is this person someone we can see ourselves using in the next 12 months well? If so, we should keep them. If not, we should release them. That actually makes sense to me. Um, that theory that idea. And then if you look at the main roster and you go, okay, we're going to get to this in the next page. If we get to, it. I'm going to try to get to at least the, the page 15, you'll find out why, or no page. What is this? 17, 17. We'll find out why when we get there. Um, but if you look at a guy on the main roster and you go, do we see a storyline? Is there a reason to keep them around? for the next six months to a year. If not, we should let them go. I get that. I get logically how that makes sense. And if the rumors are true, if Bearcat Keith Lee had attitude issues and was complaining and was not shy about letting his displeasure know and was being difficult in the locker room, <clears throat> Charlotte, let him go. Unless you're going to give him Oh, unless he's primed for a world title push, and I'd like to believe that Keith Lee could have wrestled Roman Reigns, could have wrestled um, Big E. I, I would have loved to have seen that, but I don't know if that's how they felt about it. If they're not worth that time, let him go. If me, you're not going to build around Mia Yim, if you don't think there's a place on your roster for Mia Yim, let him go. Whether you're right or you're wrong, whether the fans think you're right or you're wrong, if the WWE Brain Trust, who has had decade after decade after decade after decade of success, if they don't believe there's a spot on their roster for Mia Yim, it doesn't matter what I think, what you think, what the fans on Twitter think, let them go. Because now they've reached a point where they've released so much of their roster that yes, it's going to save them money budget-wise, Yes, it's going to cause creative to be more fine-tuned to the people that they have. But it also means that all of these other companies, Impact, MLW, Ring of Honor, whatever that's going to be, um, AEW, Japan, all of these other companies, they now are in a spot where they're like, now they have to look at their roster and go, Mia Yim. Should AEW add Mia Yim or Ember Moon? 
or Frankie Monet or Taya Valkyrie, whatever her name is, um, should we add them to our roster? Sure. That women's division could absolutely use Ember Moon, could absolutely use Mia Yim. Um, But then they have to figure out, well, well, then what do we do? Now it's your problem to deal with. If Bearcat Keith Lee really had an attitude problem, and I don't know if he did or not, but if he did, let him be somebody else's problem. And maybe if he gets to AW and complains and it doesn't work there, maybe he realizes that it's his fault. I don't know. The point I'm trying to make is uh, this all started with Davey Boy Smith Jr. now that I'm looking at the bracket. Um, I get why WWE made a lot of the decisions that they made. I don't like it. I like uh, Jesse Camilla. I have Jesse Camilla winning big matches in my fantasy booking uh, all the way through until, you know, WrestleMania. She's not winning the title, I don't think. Nope, maybe, actually, nope. Nope, now she is. <laughs> I had her winning the NXT women's title uh, at WrestleMania. Like, I could see a reason for her to be there. Um, I thought B-Fab had a purpose. She wasn't going to be a wrestler. You don't need her to be a wrestler. She, as uh, as a talker, as part of that, as the, you know, as part of Hit Row, it made sense. I don't know why you let her go. But I'm not the one making those decisions. If they're getting ready to sell, they're doing a very good job of getting rid of talent. If they're just trying to make, like I said, a more fine-tuned product where we're focusing on these talents, great. Uh, the Davy Boy Smith one to me is a is a question mark. I suppose it's more of the... You know, we don't have a great idea for you right now, uh, so we shouldn't keep paying you. Maybe in a year they hire him back. You know what? That's, that's the thing that we don't mention when we're talking about all of these things. Maybe some of these people come back. We've seen plenty of wrestlers come back. Shelton Benjamin's been on and off this roster for a very long time. They could get rid of, who's the name I haven't mentioned that got released? I can't think of one outside of the one I want to talk about later. Let's say they get rid of, they got rid of Murphy. Let's go back and let's do Murphy. They got rid of Murphy. In six months to a year, Murphy's doing great. He's obviously made some changes, you know, not physically. The man's built out of concrete. But let's say he does well. And actually, Murphy's part of the team that the Hart Foundation is facing. Ah, bringing it all together, y'all. Let's say, you know, he does well in Impact. He, you know, maybe he goes to New Japan. He does well there. You could bring him back. Some of them aren't going to want to come back. Some of them, clearly, the, the anger they have, you don't know if they're going to want to come back in a year. And that's fine. That's fine. I love Bray Wyatt. I thought The Fiend was fascinating. You don't need him. With the exception of maybe Roman Reigns at this point. You don't need any other single person on that roster. You don't need Charlotte. You don't need Sasha. You don't need Becky. Maybe Becky's the exception. Maybe you do need Bianca. But I could probably count on one hand, maybe two, if we count all the brands, the number of talents that are absolute, you must keep them. Everybody else, we can find someone else to take Drew McIntyre's spot. We can. We can find someone else to take the spot of Bobby Lashley. We can. Like, this is not, you know, it's 
these wrestlers are good and we love them and they're great and we want them to succeed somewhere, but they are not essential right now in WWE. Let them go do it elsewhere. They're probably, maybe they're happier. Let them go. All right. Tangent over. Move on. Uh, Heart Foundation, Davian Pillman versus Blake and Murphy. Um, I don't know enough about the Heart Foundation in MLW to say how good they were. Uh, they had Teddy Hart, which to me is a bad sign. And I, back in 2015, I wrote about how good Murphy was. I'm giving him the win to Blake and Murphy. And I would throw Alexa Bliss in there, too. Uh, the McMahons versus American Alpha. <laughs> All right. So the McMahons, Vince and Shane, they lost to the Funk Brothers um, in the group of 128. Now they're taking on American Alpha. Uh are we considering the McMahons a tag team? That's the question we really need to ask ourselves at this point. Do we want to consider Vincent and Shane as a tag team? They did it for quite a while. Like, they were a tag team for quite a while. It, that is true. You know, I don't think they won tag team gold, though they probably could have at some point. They fought DX. Um, they probably fought the Brothers of Destruction. They fought Austin and Friends. Um you know, are we considering them a tag team? I don't know. American Alpha, definitely a tag team. Done way too soon. You know, that Jason Jordan, although no, and it wasn't the Jason Jordan injury because Jason Jordan got called up. Then there was the stupid Kurt Angle story. The fact, American Alpha was at one point one of the great tag teams and they never reached their potential. So I suppose, since we can't grade on potential here, we have to give the win to the McMahons. But eventually, we'll come up with someone, like the Funk Brothers, who they can't beat. But in this case, I think they can beat American Alpha. Uh, Ambrose and Rollins versus the Holly Cousins. Same thing. This is, you know, this is post-Shield, because the Shield team is Rollins and Reigns. Remember? Remember that? Remember when Dean Ambrose was U.S. champion for like 100 years and defended the belt twice? That was weird. That was weird. Um, I like Ambrose and Rollins. I like the Holly Cousins. Uh, I think historically, con historically, historical context, we got to go here with Ambrose and Rollins, even though they don't technically have a team name. Again, the Hollies are that mid-card team that I like, but aren't, they can't make it to that next level. Uh, so we've got Gilbert and Rich versus Men on a Mission, Booker and Goldust versus the Sheep Herders, the Wolves versus Blake and Murphy, the McMahons versus Ambrose and Rollins. Uh, I want to get to at least the next matchup here because it is Lucha House Party versus the Destruction Crew. Why am I talking about this match right now? It is not because of Von Wagner, son of one half of the Destruction Crew. And clearly, clearly... They, uh, they thawed him out of the ice somewhere up in Siberia um, and put on some generic wrestler tights and paired him up with Kyle O'Reilly. Let's talk about the mascot of DDT Wrestling, one Lince Dorado. What a weekend this guy had. Uh, he gets released on Thursday. On Friday, uh, Cody Starbuck, the dad of Izzy, and I think we can generally just, oh, let's just call it like it is, uh, grade A douchebag, um, send some sort of, you know, oh, good luck on your future endeavors, smiley face, just 
just one of those dick move tweets. Um, because Cody Starbuck and apparently Izzy's mom um, really think that they are big shots in the world of wrestling and really think it's all about them. And Lindsay Dorado has had enough of that. Uh, he's going to a martial arts competition the following day and basically says, here, I'm going to be at this place at this time. I'm going to buy you a ticket to the show. I'm going to buy you a parking pass for the show. Come talk to me in person, 4 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, Cody Starbuck posts this long apology that means nothing because he put hashtag apology a couple times, um, which means that you want people to know you're apologizing, which means you don't actually want to apologize. If you truly want to apologize, you don't care who sees it. And it probably should be done privately. So the fact that you posted it publicly, again, grade A, douchebag move. Um, and then apparently blowback was such that he uh, got off of Twitter. I don't know if he put his account back on. I'm sure he will when he thinks it's safe to go on being a grade A douchebag, uh, a bag of douche. Um, Lindsay Dorado posted the parking pass, posted the ticket he bought him. Uh, you know, and and honestly wanted to have a conversation. And I don't think Lindsay Dorado was going to beat the crap out of Cody Starbuck. I would have loved it if he did. Oh, I would have loved it if he did. Um, but I don't think that was going to happen. I honestly think they would have had a conversation. And in that conversation, Cody should have apologized. And maybe Lindsay would have, you know, in an intimidating fashion, say, look, you got to stop being a dick. Put away the bag of douche, you know. Um, but that didn't happen because Cody Starbuck turned his, like, ran and hid, essentially, is what happens. Um, now, we could unpack this in all sorts of different ways. We could talk about uh, how, you know, this girl, Izzy, who shouldn't even be famous anyways, um, how her wrestling career may be over before it even started because her parents are going to have probably, if this is happening, you got to imagine other things have happened. Uh, they supposedly turned the fans against MSK for whatever reason. Um, they're probably burning bridges. And, you know, while Izzy was that cute girl who dressed like Bailey and that was awesome and she had the interaction with Sasha Banks, that's about it. She's turned it into a somewhat successful career and I'm sure she will train to be a wrestler. And sure, there's a storyline to go there if they chose to go that way. But... Izzy's got a lot to overcome in that her parents supposedly are just ruining things left and right and trying to uh, capitalize on the popularity of their child, which happens in celebrity cases a lot. Hello, Jamie Lynn Spears or Jamie Spears or whatever the name is. Um, I don't even know if we need to do this match because we're up against the 40 minute mark here. And, uh, you know, we, we've got more to do. We're halfway done. We're halfway through. Um, so ideally, in another two episodes, we should finish this. Uh, I could keep going and, and try to get this done faster. But at this point, I don't want to. The tangents were, were slightly more fun uh, than the tournament itself, which tend to... Oh, I hit my microphone and it fell over, but I'm okay. We're good. Me fixing it made it worse. Sorry about your ears. Uh, but yeah, Lindsay Dorado, again... I don't like people solving problems with violence, despite being a fan of a uh, 
sports entertainment in which we solve our problems with violence. Um, but I appreciate that he was like, enough is enough, and it's time for, he pulled an Owen Hart, enough is enough, and it's time for a change. You want to talk crap, talk crap to my face. And if you don't, then that shows what kind of bag of douche you are. So credit to Lindsay Dorado. Um, credit to you for listening to this episode. I don't even know which number it is. That's how behind I am with all of that. But I'm glad that you joined me. And I, I look forward to talking to you again in the future. So uh, that's about it for me. My name is DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. And I will see you the next time we celebrate. I'll remember the name of the show this time. The joy of booking. Take care now. Bye-bye then.